his mouth. Maybe, maybe the most profound words in all of Scripture are in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. If you haven't read that for a while, maybe you need to read it this afternoon. Psalm 46. Do you know the context for those words, by the way? The context is the writer is in the middle of a battlefield. And in the middle of all that strife and uncertainty and turmoil, be still and know that I am God. Hey, listen to me. Do you need to know the great I am? Are you in that spot in your life? We are as a church. But how about you as a person? Are you at that spot where you, where you need to know the great I am? <laughs> Be still. Shh. Now, this is the last shot. Okay? This is the sermon where I ought to be telling you about, you know, let's get out there and do all of this stuff. And there's a ton of stuff to do. But listen to me. The most important thing that you can do if you're at a burning bush moment, shh, be still. When God says something, he very seldom shouts. Remember Elijah? The Old Testament? Elijah's at a tipping point in his ministry. And, and he's coming to a point he's just got to hear the voice of God. So where does he hear it? <laughs> he goes up to a mountain. He doesn't hear it in the earthquake. He doesn't hear the voice of God in the whirlwind. He doesn't hear it in the fire. What does he hear? The still, small voice. Or think about it. When God Almighty chose to break into history, did He do it with like legions of angels and trumpet sounds and... Mm -mm. Little tiny baby in a manger. And when God fights and wins the greatest cosmic battle of good and evil that ever was, when... When he confronts the power of Satan and defeats him on the cross, that whole battle ends in a whisper. It is finished. The point is that what each of us, frankly, need to do is to get quiet before God. To get into that moment of anticipation where we're not running off at the mouth and, 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 and running around and telling God what to do. We're just still. My dad was a pastor. He was a really busy kind of guy. He was always doing something or talking on the phone or, or writing and go, 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 go. And drove my mom nuts because he'd never come when it was mealtime or when she wanted to talk to him, she'd never come. He had this selective hearing thing. And so when she really wanted him, she'd go to the piano and go... Whatever he was doing, whatever he was thinking, he would quit it and come running because there was something he desperately had to hear. <laughs> Not a bad description of the state of mind we need to be in if we're going to get it for a burning bush moment. 
We need that, that, that sense of anticipation that is so great that whatever we're doing or saying or thinking, shh, we knock it off. And we, we desperately want to hear something. At a burning bush moment, you get quiet before God. When the God of the universe speaks, shh, And the second response is you listen up. When you're in a burning bush moment, listen. In the stillness, just wait and listen. I love this text. What's the very first thing that God says to Moses? This is a participation sermon. What's the first thing he says? Calls him. Name means the one who was drawn out. Remember the bulrushes thing? And what's he tell him? Take off your shoes, Bubba. Do that. Seriously, take off your shoes. Just put your feet... Put your feet on the ground. So, uh... Ah, oh, Sinai... So what are you feeling? Silly, yeah, probably. Vulnerable. I suspect if you're Moses, you're feeling real uncomfortable. I've been to that area. Standing on the ground at midday is not something you want to do barefoot. It hurts. My guess that was part of the point. The reason that he's standing there barefoot is because God wants to drive him to his knees. If you feel silly, if you feel a little vulnerable, if you feel a bit odd, that's good. Because the one thing God wants you to hear is, Moses, this is not about you. It's about me. It's not about what you like or you don't like. It's not about what we've done or never done. It's, it's not about what makes you comfortable or not. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, John... I know where you're going with this, and I don't like it. I mean, seriously, what if this new guy comes in and, and, he, and he changes a whole bunch of stuff? Once again, that email address is <laughs> petersung at micc.com. Dot com. Likely he will, dot com, trust me on this. He will want to change some stuff. I mean, think about it. If you keep doing the same stuff, you keep getting the same results. Frankly, one definition of insanity is to keep doing the same stuff and expecting different results. But listen. Bottom line is, it's not about what does or doesn't change. And it's, it's not about becoming a successful church, or becoming a big church, or becoming a growth-oriented church. It's, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about God. Take your shoes off. It's God's turf. That's the point. I love what God says in Jeremiah, chapter 29. Do you know it? Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. 
Plans to give you a hope and a future. I love that. Truth of the matter is, these days, fear is, is like an industry. I mean, ecologists are telling us that if, if we don't change something, you know, in my case, change the deodorant I was using, the polar ice cap's going to melt and we're all going to drown like Thursday. And economists are telling us if we don't buy gold or something, we're all going to end up trading with dried fish and animal pelts. And political candidates are telling us that if you vote for the wrong guy... Civilization as you know it will cease to exist in a year. The God of the universe says, Hey, I know what I've got planned. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope. To give you a future. Two principles there. Principle number one. The God of all creation, is in control. And he's got your back. Principle number two. That's all you need to know. See principle number one. When you're standing, kneeling, beside a burning bush, listen up. Listen up. That still small voice you hear is God Almighty calling you and sending you and and empowering you. And when you hear it, third response, man up. Man up. Yes, I know that's politically incorrect. And I know that some of God's best men are women. And once again, that email address is Pastor... (laughs) Peter Song at MICC.net. <laughs> the point is that when you hear the call, when you hear the voice, put your shoes back on. Now's the time. Because, dear ones, there's stuff to be done. Burning bush moments We're never intended to be weenie roasts. You know, we're not supposed to sit around the bush making s'mores and singing kumbaya and feeling religious and devout and and inspired. When God speaks, lace up your shoes and go. That's what it's about. I don't know where your burning bush is. You know, maybe this morning you're here and you do not know Jesus as your Savior. I mean, you know about Him. You even like Him. You'd vote for Him. But you don't really know Him. You've never given your life to Him. Dear one, if that's where you are, fix it. Do not go home today without choosing to give your life to God through Jesus Christ. Come talk to me before you go home. I would like nothing more than for my last job here to be praying with you and asking Jesus into your life. You know, if your burning bush moment is saying, hey, I need something to make my life life instead of existence, for you putting your shoes on, for you manning up, 
is saying, yes, Lord, come into my life. Maybe, maybe your call, maybe your burning bush has to do with healing relationships. Maybe there's a broken, hurting relationship, a sense of bitterness, a sense of pain, a sense of loss. That's, that's like a roadblock. Every time you, you start making some progress, progress with God, it's that, that nasty. That bitterness or that resentment or that something. And if, if that's where you are, then for you, manning up means getting on the phone, going for a drive, get to that person. Let God heal it. <laughs> Sometimes... The relationships you need to mend are with people that aren't even alive anymore. It's just a matter of letting go and letting God heal it. But if that's where your bush is, then man up. Or if, if, if what you're hearing at your burning bush is, is God's call about people that he wants you to touch or to invite or to share with or to shepherd, well, then manning up means doing just that. Somehow letting him into your life. Somehow putting him before God and saying, God, I believe that that's what the call is and show me. Do it. Maybe the call is, is to a task. You know, it's interesting to me. This is a very unique church. We have, and I, I say this as someone who's been to a lot of churches, okay? And I'm not blowing smoke here. I don't need to flatter you. I'm I'm leaving. But the reality is this church has more than its share of deep, godly, solid people. More than its share. And yet at the same time, it has less than its share of volunteers that are ministering to each other in Jesus' name. When I first got here, Pastor Julie kind of confused me. I kept looking at her and saying, seems like a good person, seems like a... A nice person, but what's the matter with her? That she's doing all this stuff. She's teaching Sunday school and she's doing junior high. She's supposed to be the pastor too. Well, I've come to discover it's not Julie's issue. It's our issue. Dear ones, we believe God wants us to touch young families. You don't do that. By proxy. You love families face-to-face, skin-to-skin. If we're going to be a church that does cross-generational ministries, that means people working with small groups that intentionally are crossing generational lines to share in Jesus' name. That means people working with junior church. I don't need to list. There's a list in your bulletin, I think. But my point is, look, this church is at a burning bush moment. When I was a kid, I, um, I lived in a house, I lived in a parsonage that uh, had these, these, these high gabled roofs. And... Given the, the, the shape of the roof and the, the height of the ceiling, we knew that there was a lot of space up there. And because we'd been to other people's houses, we knew that that meant an attic, and we knew that attics were always filled with fun stuff, old stuff. 
But we could never figure out how to get to our attic. And it, 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 it kind of became a, a legend at our house, like the, like, like the Northwest Passage that up there somewhere is this, this attic crammed with good things and toys and wondrous stuff. And it, was, it became like the quest for the Holy Grail, looking for the route into the attic. And one day my oldest brother, Captain Bly, my folks were off at, at church doing something or other. We were at home, I think it was a Wednesday night, and Captain Bly said, John, I found it. I found the route into the attic. And he pulls the desk into the middle of the room, and he sets a chair on it, and he goes up, climbs up there, and he unscrews the light bulb, and he pulls me up there with him, and he said, you see that button? That button opens the trap door to the attic. Made sense to me. Crawl up on that chair. <laughs> I don't think I've ever hit the ground quite so fast. And I'm just kind of shocked, and I looked over at him, and I'm, this is my older brother who loves and protects me. And Bly says, what do you think? If you had an attic full of toys, wouldn't you safeguard them? But I think you've deactivated it now. Go push it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Up on the chair, push the button, poof! Now, I have told that story time and time again. Maybe I've told it here before. I tell it as an example of abuse. <laughs> now, Captain Bly tells that same story as an example of leadership. Today I'm telling it as an example of manning up because I got news for you. Truth is, I did push it a second time. And if Bly would have told me it would have worked the third time, I'd have pushed it the third time. I'd have kept pushing that baby until I couldn't walk anymore. Because I so much wanted to get to the attic. So dear ones, God so wants to set this church afire with his power and with his love. He so much wants to fill and empower and heal and use you. The question is, do you want it enough to keep going, to man up, to listen to the voice? That voice is still calling you to be still in awe and to listen and get it. It's not about me. And act. Whatever it takes, Abba, I'm your woman. I'm your man. If you want to sit on your backsides in the, in the glow and the warmth of clever, of clever productions, there are plenty of other places to go. But if you want to hear God's voice, if you want to be a part of the greatest adventure of your life, then man up. Put the shoes back on. Run the race. Walk the walk. Stand firm. You be the bush that God sets on fire. You let this church be aflame with God and his power. 
and let the world turn aside to see that wondrous thing that God is doing. Abba Father, I believe that with all my heart. I believe that you are calling this church to be yours. That you're calling men and women to be still before you until they hear your voice. And when they hear it, to know it. And so to act. Abba, fill this church with folks that are ready to be set aflame. Individually, corporately. But God, glorify yourself. All God's people said. Why don't you stay standing for benediction? So go now your ways, knowing that in the power of God you are brought into this world. By the grace of God you're kept all the day to this very moment. And by the love of God, fully revealed in Jesus Christ. You are, you are being redeemed.